0: Before we start, Ella gets our ugly art competitions dates wrong. When you're listening to this, it will be over.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Women's Workshop podcast. Uh, I'm Ella, the founder of the Women's Workshop, and this is my co-host and partner, Emmy.
2: Hi, I'm Emmy Middy, and I am doing the podcast with Ella. I'm editing videos, and I'm just being Ella's organisational brain.
1: Which I need, because I am a chaotic mess. <laughs> um so last week we had an amazing podcast interview with mystic illustrations uh sasha thank you so much for coming on it was amazing to meet you uh, and we have a special treat coming up later but first things first let's get some housekeeping out of the way so uh our ugly art competition is still going on you've got four days left if you want to enter and the standard is high it is way up
2: this goes out on tuesday so you you might not have four days left.
1: Okay, so you have about three days left then, so you better hurry up. (laughs) But they are, honestly, the entries we've seen are incredible, and they're in so many different mediums. We've got collage, we've got sculpture, we've got illustration, digital art. Um, So, yeah, if anyone does want to enter, uh, all you have to do is post your entry and tag uh, me at the women's underscore workshop, Imi at Imi midi and quirky buns at quirky buns <laughs> so we hope to see your entry soon um other things we've got going on are the website launch on the 7th of april next week i believe
2: yes next wednesday
1: so we have almost got all oh, of actually art- as
2: you as you're listening to this tomorrow
1: yeah cool sorry i was so confused then i was like what because we obviously record earlier than we released the podcast so that makes yeah. sense um so also we'll be interviewing uh bipolar abdul next week um who is a friend of imi so do you want to say a little bit about her
2: yeah bipolar abdul is a fantastic uh um i believe the term is faux queen i fucking hate that term she's a drag queen from uh doncaster she's- Absolutely phenomenal. I love her to bits. Uh, She's done some music video work for me and she's just great. I love her.
1: So we'll be looking forward to interviewing her next week. Um, Also we just wanted to say a massive thank you for uh, our 900 followers on Instagram. (laughs) Woo! Thank you so much for everyone who has supported the page and engaged and we've met the most incredible artists. Uh, We actually hosted our first networking event last Friday which was absolutely incredible. We were meant to be on for an hour and ended up staying for four hours drinking and talking about feminism, politics, art and putting the world to rights.
2: It was a really, really good night. It was one of the best nights I've had for ages.
1: And especially during lockdown, I think we need it.
2: Yeah. Like, um, I feel like we we were friends instantly. Like, in our networking event, towards the end of it, we went to some like more personal places and everybody felt comfortable sharing. It and that was such a wonderful thing.
1: It just felt like we've known each other for years and like we were all saying like we want to like meet up and go on a night out and as soon as everything's open again we're definitely gonna meet in person because i really want to meet all of you amazing people so if you do want to come along to a networking event when i say networking it is extremely informal it's just chatting shit with a bunch of cool female artists uh so our next one will be on the 9th of april which is next friday uh and We'll release the time a bit later, but it's usually after seven o'clock in the evening. You can hop on and hop off whenever you like. So if you've only got 10 minutes, hop on, have a cup of tea, say hi. If you've got an hour, hop on. If you've got five hours, hop on. We'll probably be there for quite some time.
2: And if you're shy, you don't even need to have your camera on. You don't even need to have your microphone on. You can just be there and speak as and when you feel you need to. We are trying to be as uh, safe and inclusive for everybody, so please just even if you're just there to listen to our stories and have a laugh at our expense in some cases (laughs) just 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 come along
1: yeah no it'll be really good fun and like I think it can be quite sort of intimidating coming on and socializing with loads of people you don't know especially at the moment when when we've been like deprived of socializing for so long so as Emmy said if you do just want to come on leave your camera off leave your microphone off and just like listen to us chatting shit then feel free um also I just want to say um to all the amazing followers who are supporting us I've had so many requests recently asking uh for people to have their work featured on the page which is absolutely amazing and we're so happy to meet so many incredible artists the only thing we do ask is that you interact and engage with our page and also support the artists who are on there I was talking about this a bit the other day I think the whole point of the community is that we support each other so it's not just about coming on the page having your work shed but actually meeting other artists connecting with other artists supporting them and they'll support you Uh, speaking of I've just bought some incredible uh, it was payday today so I bought some incredible prints from a couple of the artists who we've met on our networking event. Um, And I'm so excited because we hosted a Draw This In Your Style competition with um, at Soy Mistake, Jackie, who we'll be interviewing later tonight. Spoiler alert. Um, and she drew this incredible picture of like a frog king very sort of like fairy tale inspired so I've bought that print um from the draw the senior style competition and I've also bought a pair of earrings from quirky buns who's co-hosting our current ugly art competition so thank you to both of you um for being so involved and really helping us like host competitions and have you know engagement and activity going on on the page so thanks to both you
2: yeah f- thank you so much it's so like heartwarming to see that you are putting aside your work that you get paid for to give to give somebody something for free to help build a community and genuinely from the bottom of my heart thank you
1: and also, I just want to say, if anyone does want to co-host any future competitions with us, uh, we'll basically release a topic for a competition, and anyone who's interested can message us. We ask our co-hosts to share the competition and also to give away um, a piece of their work as the prize. But um, as you're giving it away for free, I will buy something off you uh, once you've sent out, you know, your pair of earrings, your print, your sculpture, whatever it is, so that you're not out of pocket and so that we're supporting you.
2: Yeah. Um... And also, in similar regard, if you want to get featured on this podcast, drop one of us a message and we will get you in our lineup, definitely.
1: Um, so I think we are just about ready to get on with the interview with Jackie at Soy Mistake on Instagram. Yeah. So uh, let's get
2: started. We'll dive straight in. Trigger warning. We
0: talk about some quite heavy stuff, including death.
1: Hi, Jackie. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hi. Uh,
0: thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be part of this community and being interviewed by you two beautiful people. So,
1: yeah. Oh, thank, <laughs> oh, thank you. you. Um, so, like, first things first, how are you doing? How are you coping during lockdown? Um, Well, I honestly don't know. It's
0: I took a plane last year to this country and I never knew uh, that my life will flip upside down. Um, Good side, I've been making a lot of art and I'm really happy about that. Um, Really excited to get out of this, of course, like everyone. But I feel like it has been a time of brownness, like introspective, Um, and I think hopefully, most of us have taken that time for that uh, that everything is paused so I mean at least for me it gave me that like break from normal routine go to work Monday to Friday and just take that deep breath and be like all right where do I go from here
2: but yeah it's it's all positive it's given everybody a lot of time with their self and to get to know themselves properly outside of any other social context and I feel like that's been, like, the biggest positive for it.
1: I think it's just, it's quite nice to spend some time by yourself sometimes and, like, Right, like being surrounded by people is lovely and it's lovely to socialize and meet new people but I think sometimes just having that time like to yourself and to sort of reflect and just like just be you like I'm not really that used to socializing now like I love socializing but I also really look forward to like having some time by myself just to like do things I really enjoy or listen to music or like just like sit and think about things without sounding like a complete hippie (laughs) yeah
0: absolutely like I mean i I will say that maybe my case was a little bit different. Um, I remember I arrived here and from America and everything, like I never, I didn't know anyone. And being like, you know, I worked at a bar and it's everything customer service and seeing people to be completely isolated. And yeah, I didn't know anyone besides my brother and this beautiful eight year old girl that I take care of sometimes. Um, But yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's not been an easy time. No. But I've learned a lot. And also, you know, being by myself, there's a for a long time, um, being by yourself can be a little bit scary. Yeah. But trying to listen to these thoughts and like, trying to learn about yourself. Um, I think that's the most important part. Um, And you learn who you're surrounded with. I feel like when we were uh, all, you know, when life was normal, right? We're surrounded by all these people um, not actually valuing who we were surrounded with.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, I think everyone's just in very different situations in lockdown. Like, I'm quite lucky because, I mean, I just live with my parents, but we all get on really well and, like, me and my family are really close, so it's been really lovely. But I think in terms of, like, all being in the same boat, I feel like we're more all in the same ocean, but in very different boats. Like, some people are sailing around on yachts and some people are, like, on a paddleboard.
2: <laughs> right. So, first proper question of the interview, tell us a bit about you and how you got your start in art.
0: Well, I am, um, uh... I was born in America, uh, as you can tell, but I'm actually Mexican or half Mexican, half British. Um, My mother was an oil painter. Um, Back in the days, you know, such an old school, her parents didn't let her be an artist. Um, You know, she had to be a dentist, get married. Um, So unfortunately for her, she never pursued that until actually recently. Um, And my dad actually painted watercolor. Um, so since I was a kid, painting was always involved in my life. My mom never bought me coloring books or such things. She always like drew for me and I had to color in. Um, at the age of 16, um, I was very involved in art. Um, I hated math, but I was really good at geometry. Then as life passed on, I turned 18 and I was very confused because of all this pressure that we all most of us go through of like, you need to get a career. You need, to you know, to be someone like what is be someone. So with $20 in my pocket, I flew to America and I said, I'm going to be an artist. And yeah, I started painting, I started drawing. Um, it was hard being 18, a bartender um, working long shifts, so I took a break for six months and I went back to Mexico and I met this artist, really known artist actually in the South of Mexico called Ariel. And he became a mentor. Um, he taught me so many things, but it was not like classes. It was like me chilling, drinking my beer, let's paint. And it made me view painting as not something that you learn to do and it's more as of a lifestyle. And he taught me that I was an artist the whole time. Um, and from that, um, after six months, I went back to America and I was like, okay, I think I'm, uh, I want to be an artist. Um, I was in a gallery for two years in Cambridge called Out of the Blue Gallery. Then after that, I always had this, this part of me that I always said, like I should have gone to college. So. That's how I could I enrolled myself in university in art school and I basically threw my money to the trash so um, that was really hard um, after that uh, I got into I got into the art community I got to meet more artists um, I would normally just use I used to paint only on acrylic canvas um, and then I got myself on an iPad and I got myself more involved in the digital world. So now I'm doing mostly digital. Um, Think that it's amazing that there's so many things you can do. There's the pros and cons of digital work. Um, That's
2: what I've been doing. That's so cool. You've got such um, a cool story, genuinely. I could listen to you talk for hours.
1: You've got (laughs) a very soothing voice as well. I feel like when you're you're a famous artist, you're gonna have like the coolest bio and the coolest backstory and the coolest influences. (laughs) Um, Speaking of, where do you think you've produced your best artwork? Like Mexico, America, here, and like, why? I wouldn't
0: say that is where exactly geographically but where I was mentally and emotionally. I would say one of the best pieces I created actually was um, during a really bad depression I had and I learned that my, I used all the energy I could to paint because I couldn't focus. I was such a mess back then. Um, I couldn't focus on eating. I couldn't focus on, you know, taking a bath. Um, but painting was the only thing that I could feel I was good at and could feel like, not i good at, but like just focus on one thing, just putting paint on the right spot. And that for me became a meditative, meditative, sorry, um, thing. Um, Also coming here to England. um, This year I produced a lot. Um, Getting, I was a little bit anxious about getting into the Instagram world. Um, You know, I was like, fuck that. But I got to meet amazing people. I got to meet you guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Um, we got to meet you. So (laughs) it was a win-win for all of us. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I got to meet other artists and also be inspired by other artists. Um, so that was really good. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I worked. my. I think I worked my best. Um, when I, I don't know how to explain this. Uh, I worked my best. When. I challenge myself to it. When I go through a challenge in my life, and I don't let that destroy me or put me down, that's when I work my best. Yeah.
2: Like, like, you work, you work your best when you, when you're escaping. Like when there's something real going on, and you, and you escape, and you have like a means of concentration because you find concentrating on other things so difficult. That's really, really quite moving.
0: I feel like if, because I say, I've seen myself let down and it's not it's not a pretty place I think for anyone, right? So if you use all that energy and it's something not that, you know, I can't, sometimes I wake up and of course I don't want to do it, but I have to force myself to do it. I have to force myself to do the first line. I have to first, like, force myself to get up and just do a, sometimes circle, circle, circles and I surprise myself with things that I come up with.
1: I think sometimes things in our lives unintentionally translate into artwork. Like I found with a lot of art I created like throughout university and A-levels, Um, It was just topics I was interested in. So so I looked at like uh, mental health and like quite dark themes. Um, I was going through this mental health problem at the time and I was like unintentionally creating art that was very obviously saying that, but I wasn't meaning to. It was just topics I was interested in. And I think it was something that resonated with me and probably some sort of internalized sort of anger and distress as well, that sometimes comes out without it meaning to. Have you found that or do you think you intentionally sort of put your emotions and your life into your work?
0: I think even unintentionally, if you don't want to do something, your self-conscious is always speaking. How come some people are interested in butterflies? Some people are interested in news. How people are interested, you know. Um, And I painted a variety of stuff. Um, It could be dark stuff. It could be happy stuff um i have intentionally worked on projects um but there's always my style and my intention in it per se because for example someone could do the same theme painting for example we're all gonna draw you know woman and somebody could draw an old woman so we can draw a younger woman so i can draw a naked woman so I feel that even every individual, that even if we don't have the intention of making something dark, there is your self conscious like why you chose that color, why you chose that palette, why you chose thick lines, you know?
1: Yeah, you're so wise. I was just gonna say like when it, whenever you speak, you're so like, I don't know you, I just feel like you've got it so much more together than the rest of us. <laughs> oh, no, um, well, I'm trying.
0: <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. I picture myself when you say that, I picture myself as the owl of Winnie the Pooh.
1: <laughs> I, I think it would be Tigger, because I'm just <laughs> manically chaotic all of the time.
2: Eeyore, because I'm depressed.
1: Exactly. <laughs> well, I think they said that all the Winnie the Pooh characters reflect, like, different uh, mental health things, I think? Isn't that right? Yeah, I've read about that. Um... Yes, I have read about mm-hmm. that.
0: Um, I don't know if it's true or not. I've read even yeah. though about even like cartoons, like the Rugrats, um, or mm. even SpongeBob, and like it's you know if you think of how crazy it is how they used to make cartoons back in the days for our at least like, speaking for us, I imagine we're around the same age, you know, '90s babies. Uh, the characters and they were so with human defects and human traits it was amazing
1: I think like we probably put a lot of like our own modern interpretation of things as well like for example like the Winnie the Pooh thing I don't know if that was the original intention of the person who made it but I think we are a bit more open now about things like mental health and um, I don't know women's problems or like whatever it is I think we are getting to being more open about it and like trying to break down the stigma of it so i think it's partially to Definitely. do with yeah the fact that we're now looking back at it and realizing things that we didn't notice before
2: it's all very death of the author the, the author intent doesn't matter because you're putting your own intent on what matters to you inside of this work
1: yeah exactly um Anyway, we went, we went a bit off-topic, but that does happen because we love to go off on our tangents. Um, so just one, I just wanted to ask you, what medium do you work in, and how would you describe your artistic style?
0: Well, currently um, my iPad broke, as I commented before it got ran over, uh, but it's being repaired. But I currently work only in digital, um, however, my main medium is acrylic. Um, I love acrylic, there is so much you can do with acrylic, you can do the texture like if it was oil, you can water it down like if it was watercolor, um, there's, you know, there's so many things you can do with it, um, and I love, you know, old school painting, however, working digital saves you time, you can correct errors, you don't need to, like, start over, and um, and it's also portable. And also you can work with different brushes. It's just amazing um, being updated in this new art style that is digital. And there's so much work that come that can come with sorry, that can come with it. Um think that I mean I moved here, I can't like you know buying canvas and paints and all of this. Digital work is actually on the cheap side. I will always say that my paintings are nostalgic. Is my nostalgia of my childhood, is just the nostalgic feeling of things. That nostalgic feeling when I was a kid when I watched TV shows, that nostalgic feeling um, of women, uh, the uh, portraits that, you know, faces that I saw when I was younger, or the feeling I, I do different themes, or I have sometimes these that I do like collections of three, They're all having in common that. I want to say I have a style or I have, you know, I just do one thing. Uh, Art should be evolving and changing. Um, And we are humans and we change day to day. So the only thing I think that all of them have in common is just that feeling, nostalgia.
2: really cool i do get the uh, nostalgia thing from especially from the frog that you did for the oh. competition it's so like child it's like storybook it's something i expect to see in like the kids era of a theme park a big statue of this frog and it, it is mm-hmm. the most adorable thing
0: i love frogs, though um it, one of my dreams uh hopefully one day will be to be able to illustrate a children's book um haven't had the book yet, um, but it's something that I would love to do. Um, And those stories that we used to have when we were kids and and stuff. um, But yeah, The Frog is one of my favorites. I was so happy to do that project with you guys.
1: Oh, it was so amazing to see everyone's interpretations of it as well. Like, especially uh, the winner, Becca. So that's uh, Becca Alatham, if you want to look at her on Instagram. Um, I just loved the way she broke up the entire original image and made it into that like vibrant wallpaper. It was, I just so wasn't expecting to see it. I think that's why it was my favorite, but all of the entries were incredible.
0: Yeah, all of the entries were really amazing. Um, but the thing I liked about Becca is that she did something different. Um, yeah. I'm just, saying the, the other ones were different styles, but she decomposed my frog. Yeah. Um, it made it something, you know, I was expecting to see, you know, the frog and sitting on the books, but now she decomposed it. It made it something a little bit more abstract um, in a pattern. And I was like, yes, of
1: course. I yeah. would still so have that as like a wallpaper in my room.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, want, I want my birthday presents wrapped up in it.
1: Oh my God, yeah, that's such a good idea. Um, just really quickly, I just wanted to return to that theme of nostalgia you were talking about. I think that's such a, a beautiful way to look at art because I feel like nostalgia is in a way lovely, but also quite melancholic because I don't know. It's like, I was talking about this with someone the other day about what you lose like when you grow up, like all the sort of childlike wonder and like the questions. And like I was talking about how I was babysitting for this kid recently. And um, <laughs> she like came straight up to me and she was like, oh my God, Ella, um, like, can we chop up oranges and juice them? And I was like, yeah sure so we started doing it and then she was like right what i think we should do is we should make this potion so we had to juice all these oranges chop up jelly jelly babies into these tiny little like squares put them into this bowl of orange juice and then hang candy canes like all off from around the sides and i don't know it's just that like the sort of the randomness and the like the questioning the curiosity the imagination like i think we do try to hang on to it when we're older but i think you do lose it a bit because it's stamped out by like being logical, like living in the real world. And I think it's so nice to return to like that, that kind of concept of being a child.
0: We become
1: adults the day
0: that we stop being curious. The day that we stop wondering, you know, outs and abouts, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh my God, this is a caterpillar. Right, and you're so fascinated by this caterpillar, or oh, you see this leaf, and you see you're discovering the world. But when you become adult, you already know all these things to survive. You have you know already how to cook. You know you shouldn't touch fire you now you're gonna burn yourself. You know you should shower. Um, so we stop pushing ourselves to discover around the world, uh, like around us. But even nostalgia for me is not necessary memory, good memories as a kid. Because sometimes we have been periods of times that we've been in toxic places or depressive situations, or even bad things that we as humans miss that sometimes. And it could be, you know, an ex-boyfriend that was super toxic or a bad habit we had or, you know, um certain situations that happen to us that are kind of like bad for us but there's this little thing inside us that we kind of like just want to peek and that's like mm-hmm. a little nostalgia and it's kind of like weird but so nostalgia can be represented again how you said is how we remember things that we lost and not necessarily sometimes it's good
2: Yeah, one of my most pressing memories, which is there in my head from my childhood, is um, when you're a kid and you have the, what happens when you die thoughts really late at night. And my dad just like, I'm not answering your question, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna lie with you until you go to sleep. And I just remember him just lying there and making sure that I was okay. And it's just, it's really there. And it's like, but it's like both a negative and a positive nostalgia moment, and it's just, yeah. Every time I go to sleep and the, the the existentialism like comes in, I just think of my dad now, and it's but it's such a comforting thing.
0: That's so- absolutely
2: yeah. I- that
0: is it's really beautiful. I love hearing stories like that of things that we just sometimes we don't say it out loud, but we can trick our brains to again, nostalgic moments, we can bring them and experience them just by thinking about them, just by uh, remembering moments from our childhood or even yesterday, and we can revive them. So for my paintings, um, Thomas, I like to paint them. I want to I try to recreate that thought, like Emmy said, you know, like she said she felt you know, when sometimes she's in bed, she thinks about that moment that brought calmness, and I mean that's beautiful. Um, for me, it's kind of like the same, um, trying to bring that memory that is over here, right? It's over here. I see it, but I don't see it, and I wish maybe somebody could also see it.
1: I think um, there's something really weird about like, I, I call them night terrors. When you get always at night, I get these really like weird existential thoughts about like, I don't know if it's because your mind relaxes or like you just have time completely by yourself, like in the dark with your eyes closed. But I always have these thoughts like, oh my God, like we're all gonna die one day. Like, oh my God, how is that okay? We shouldn't all die. Let's just live forever. And I just literally go down this spiral and I always feel fine in the morning, but sometimes at night I do have those thoughts. And I wonder why it only happens when you're in like that state at nighttime, because that's most of the time it's happened for me. We have so many distractions day to day. And sometimes we do think about it like, during
0: daytime, but there's so much going on that we don't listen to that little voice, right? There's so much going on, you got work, you gotta do this. So when you're sitting in bed and you're having those thoughts, like during the day you don't have the time to actually rationalize all these questions you have. And when you're alone, they all come so dark and so like, all right, all right, why were we here? All right, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die Um, it's actually that is really funny I always ask this question to people Um, if you were going to die if you had the opportunity to choose it's kind of a dark question okay
1: that's okay we love
0: dark (laughs) if you had that determines what kind of person you're I'm kidding no Um, if you were gonna determine like I don't believe in God but if God was up there says okay You can choose how you're gonna die. What will you choose?
2: Choking on laughter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is actually really good. Never thought of that before. Never
1: thought of that before.
2: Yeah, I, I want to go out with a smile on my face
1: oh that's such a hard question i don't know i've always said and i don't actually want to die this way but i've always said like i want to die by like a shark attack or something only because like the idea of um like oblivion you know just the idea of people like forgetting like your existence your personality your character and i've always thought going out like with a bang like something crazy completely unrealistic that would happen just stuck with me like there's this um graveyard at the top of this hill in uh near London it's called Box Hill and at the top of this hill there's this man who decided that he wanted to be buried upside down so like vertically like head down and it says it on his gravestone and everything and like everyone knows that man (laughs) because he's buried (laughs) upside down and it's not so much the desire for fame but more like almost a need like to not want to be forgotten and like to have your life it's a legacy yeah. Mm. So, exactly.
0: yeah.
1: yeah so yeah yeah say something big like that shark crocodile but then i wouldn't really want to endure that sort of pain so maybe something a bit less extreme than that
0: <laughs> i always ask this question because honestly again i also have no idea but there's only one thing um that i'm pretty sure is that i want to be alive until the last minute like I hear these stories of like people like oh I want to die in my sleep and I'm like I want to be conscious of until the last second I'm on this earth because nobody knows what the heck is gonna happen after, right? So I love hearing these stories of I mean it's an odd question right like but but yeah I mean of course we uh, most people can't decide how they're gonna die right. Um, but if you had, you know, I mean, I jokingly say like, yeah, I want to be killed and um, by a serial killer. And I want them to make a documentary of me and, you know, be on Netflix. So become that will be my legacy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's it's interesting how different people I've heard so many versions of it. Um, you get to know a little bit more about people asking how they can die, how they want to die.
2: Yeah,
1: we're so terrified of sort of aging in a way. I feel like a lot of the reasons that we kind of want to like stay young and stay like fit and healthy. I mean, to live in the moment, but also because aging is like a reminder in a way of like your own mortality. You know, if you get a gray hair, if you get wrinkles or whatever, like marks of aging. I think they're beautiful, but I think it reminds you that like. You've lived those years, like those years are now gone, and you're heading, you're 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 heading there, <laughs> slowly. I,
0: I think most, I think uh, deep inside, um, when people, I mean, I mean, I'm twenty, I'm gonna be twenty-seven. I'm not old, right? I think it's, but you know, even though I'm twenty-seven. Um, almost 27. I do think about, holy shit, like, by this age, I should have done this. I should have done this, right? Um, I feel like people, when they grow and they have this fear, it's not about things that they did, that, that, you know, they have these crises. But things they haven't done. So I I think it's like the same goes when we age and we have these wrinkles and like, yes, it's a reminder of like how life is so short. And we think about not the things we've done, but like things that we haven't done yet. So it's like, yeah, it's a reminder. But I think also, again, it's beautiful. It's their marks, uh, you know, their battle scars, battle marks. I want to grow old with long white hair. Wrinkles, stretch marks, and I'm going to be hella cool and sexy.
2: <laughs> I just, I, Jackie, I really just want like a small you to just have in my pocket and just tell me stories. <laughs> genuinely. <laughs> like a genuinely was, cricket, cricket, but wiser. Uh, if I was like in, if I was in school and you were my teacher, you would be my favorite teacher. Because oh. you you just, you're so f- fucking cool
0: <laughs> oh you guys are really cool too i wish we could go out for drinks honestly
1: oh we will hunt you well one day right.
2: Should <laughs> we get back into the questions yeah, existential
1: <laughs> crisis like moving on from oh, i'm so sorry we went dark <laughs> no i love like i love having dark conversations like that though i think you've it's so interesting to hear how other people perceive things like really big questions and really big topics that you've thought about and you've internalized and like how other people are viewing them. So yeah, thank you for introducing (laughs) us to that. Um, Right, so venturing back to art, um, with the style you're doing now, do you think or what medium or whatever like what do you want to venture into is there any interest you have in artistic styles or ways of making that you're interested in going into yes
0: size
1: size matters (laughs) a
0: you know I've, i've been wanting um to i mean of course digital is different but um i've been wanting to get more into mural art um expand a little bit on that um and also uh, collab with different artists, like but not like another illustrators, but collab with a writer, collab with musicians, collab with different art mediums. And also, I am really interested in making tables uh, and mosaics, something that I think it's really cool. Uh, if someday I have my house, I want it to be full of tiles and mosaics, um, it's, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Barcelona and seen uh, the art of Gaudi in the Casa Patlo. Um, and you see in the streets these mosaics, is just so beautiful and it's art that is for everyone.
1: I've never been to Barcelona, but I really want to go. Like the architecture there, like I just love like crazy, beautiful, wacky architecture. And I feel like Barcelona, from, from the pictures anyway, I haven't actually been, but it just looks in, insane, but amazing.
2: It, it, they all look like seashells to me, some of the buildings in Barcelona. Mm. Big. Big. And I also, my ex-girlfriend was Russian, so I just like some Russian architecture. Oh. So pretty.
0: Oh my God. That I, I would love to go to Moscow. It's, it seems gorgeous. I want to go everywhere. It's, it's really beautiful to see um, the styles of art um, from different countries and regions and cultures. But the art in... I mean, I, I'm a sucker for street art. I love graffiti. I love murals. I love street art. I love cities that the government supports artists. Um, hey, you're making your city beautiful, man. It's, you know, it's so much culture and um, supporting artists.
2: Yeah, where I am in Leeds at the minute, there's lots of um, legalized street arts, and um, they're really big on capital of culture, so they've been pouring loads of money into the art scene up here. Mm.
0: That, That is something that, I mean, I know that England is very old country. Um, So I don't know how the laws work when it comes to street art um, and painting on walls, you know, Um, because I know they're really old buildings. Some of them are protected. Um, That is something that is kind of a little bit scary of doing like a piece of art and being, you know, somebody vandalizes it. But, you know, sorry for the public, that's what you get, right? Um, But mostly I don't know the, the regulations of what is, you know,
1: I don't think I don't think graffiti art is allowed at all, is it? Unless you know, it's there are some I don't think it is. There are
2: graffiti parks which people um can take. And the only thing is with graffiti parks is your piece of work could exist for all of like an hour before somebody comes and paints over your work.
1: Like, well it was a good hour that it lived, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's like drawing something in the sand and then it gets washed away. (laughs) I think I really love seeing pieces of art where you don't expect to see them. Like, I know this sounds a bit boring, but I'm quite interested in seeing art in like quite corporate, like soulless places, like, for example, like a bank or something. If an artist got commissioned to like create a piece for a bank. I just think bringing something like magical and creative into a space that's generally considered to be quite like boring and like kind of unwelcoming is quite a nice thing to do.
2: Jackie, you're from Mexico. Do you feel like being a Mexican artist um, affected your work when you were in the States at all? Because I know that there are some tensions, shall we say?
0: Um, Not really. Um, I have the fortune uh, I wouldn't say fortune, but I do have an advantage that I am a white-passing Latina, um, that some of people from my country do not have, unfortunately. Um, however, that still does affect me because, you know, they're my people. Uh, they have this, I wanna say uh, in the art world, but a day-to-day basis, yeah. Um, and I try to use my voice to help those people, and even though they're not Latinos, um, right? So mm. me as a white, with me with my white privilege, the only thing I can do is use my voice or all the tools I can have to give them a voice, have them heard and,
1: you know, make justice whenever I can.
2: That's really cool.
1: That's going to be printed on a t-shirt someday. That's going to be your quote.
2: <laughs> I, I, I can see it now. like. A f- one of your frogs, but dress it up as like a superhero or something and just have make the justice that I want to see written above it.
1: Oh, that would be beautiful though. I would though. already sold into that, <laughs> yeah. I would buy it. <laughs> um, do you think being a woman has affected uh, the way people perceive your art in any way? Or have you experienced any kind of discrimination or anything because you're a woman in the arts world or not particularly? Not precisely in the States,
0: but in Mexico, yes. Um, Being taken seriously to do um, a piece of artwork um, that they didn't know I was a woman at that moment. It was for, um, we was doing these paintings for this restaurant. Um, And as soon as they knew I was a woman, uh, they thought, even though they didn't like my art, Um, they thought I was I couldn't get the message across because it was going to be cute Um, I want to punch stuff. I want to say discrimination of art but I have like um, I have my art with men um, has been a way of they think because I do art, I'm a kinky girl. All right. They think because I do art, I have my nipple spears. They think because I do art, I'm a, you know, they have these stereotypes of artists, artists, women that, you know, I mean, and they, I'm sure they are. There are artists, women that probably have their nipple spears. There are women that are probably bi. There are women, pro- there are, women, um, they are maybe freaking sex. Pro- but a lot of men that I've met when they know i'm an artist they have these expectations that i am going to behave a certain way or i am in a certain way think that that's on i mean has happened to me in the states has happened to me in mexico um that yeah because i'm a, I'm a woman
2: artist because they think because you're an artist you're a bit of a wild child mm.
1: yeah. yeah it's like they've created a caricature of what you are almost based on that profession like they've created this whole over the top one idea of what like a female artist can be I think it's very like the thing I hate most is being patronized and I think kind of the idea of like something you're doing is like cute or like it belittles it a bit in a way like I mean I like to be cute sometimes but like when you're doing something that you're passionate about and that you care about I'd be quite offended if someone called it cute. I wouldn't, I would be like, it's not fucking cute, it's mind blowing. (laughs) (laughs) I guess like
0: through the years, I mean, unfortunately you gotta deal with some comments like that. I'm not gonna say like, uh, mostly on Instagram and things like that, like you get those, we actually, we were talking about this when we had our video call uh, with the other ladies. Uh, You know, when, People, when I actually, when I was in my gallery and you show your art to the public, um, it's just like a mass produced piece. It's just like, oh yeah, I like it. Um, There's no like in depth in it. Um, That is actually for me, it's not that it's hurtful, but it's just, it's useless. Um, Again, you cannot expect that for people that maybe don't know the process, people that don't know um they're not artists um but it's a bit frustrating that i have paintings that took me when i was doing uh, there was a, set, a period of time that I was doing epoxy resin art and that should took me a month sometimes to finish one piece um coat over coat using gas mask um because of the, the, the fumes um to just have that you know uh, reaction to it it is a bit frustrating but you know is. It's not something I can control. It's not something I can do about it. Um, unfortunately, there has been people that are interested in my process, but going back to the subject of being a woman artist, um, and for, I have a good example of being a woman artist. Um, I remember when I basically came out as a woman artist to my family, um, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking for my uncles and was heartbreaking that I was going to be this hippie bohemian girl and, like, you know, um, again, stereotypes. Um, but all these stigmas, I ended up being completely different. But I do find it kind of weird um, in the dating life, mostly, when you meet people and it's... We are, like, sometimes artists, women, they're sexualized to the point that they think we are these, like, muses, you know, that are, like, dude, I'm just a regular-ass person, just like you.
2: I feel like it's a lot of, uh, um, a lot of this comes from mass media and the uh, women written by men issue. So, like, obviously, that's probably one of the problems. Do you have any, like, like ideas of the causes of this or and any ways to fix it
0: that's an interesting question i never thought of that um i wouldn't say that i am actively trying to change it and maybe i should um unfortunately i have had you know thoughts and it's a terrible thought saying that boys will be boys it's terrible to think that you know but sometimes it's fucking tiring it's tiring of being like stop or trying to change to stigmas is it's not that I, I don't want to change. Of course I want to change it. But it's frustrating that I have to. It's frustrating that I have to call out. It's frustrating to be like, you know, uh, meet people that have good intentions and then, you know, being sexualized to that point. It sucks. Again, I feel like being in communities with more women, like the Women's Workshop, um, brings out the voice of different artists um, out there. And it's, it feels less lonely and feels like more strength to put your voice out there. Um, how to
2: explain this? Um, you don't feel like you're shouting into the wind. You feel like exactly.
0: there's... I- I mean it's not like of course I would like you know to stand up on a mic and change the world you know and unfortunately those people some people are not going to listen some people are Yeah. and I'm there to speak for those people that want to listen.
1: I was just gonna say I think it's really important to have the support to feel like you can speak up because I think because kind of sexism and racism and so many issues are deeply ingrained into society sometimes I feel like I personally sometimes just go along with it like I try to speak when I can and I try to stand up for people when I can and I try to promote values that I believe in but for example you know if someone is patronizing to me or if someone says something that I feel belittles me or makes me feel less than I tend not to confront them about it because I feel like it's easier to just exist and get on with what i'm doing rather than confront that but i feel like being in communities like this and meeting other people and talking about it does make like give me the confidence to be able to speak up about it
0: um i will speak out about racism i will speak about sexism i will speak out anytime i'll speak out to defend women i'll speak up to defend different communities i'll just i'll I'll speak up to defend gay rights um, but in my in my day to day basis, um, if they are willing to do the work of trying to understand and be like, hey, educate me. Of course, come on, let's have a talk. Why now, I'll tell you my experiences. But also now day to day, dude, for people that are willingly ignorant to not know about the issues is because they're like, it's, they're choosing to. Yeah. Of course, I'll have a talk anytime. But there's no excuse of saying, like, I come from this society. My family raised me this way.
1: Like, that's that's what I meant before. I don't know if I articulated it very well, because I think I want people to have liberal beliefs and have beliefs that are inclusive and like diversified and understanding where different people come from and why people are treated a certain way and why it needs to change. I think more on a day-to-day basis as you said about picking your battles. I think sometimes I find it hard, I find it draining to battle with people like I prefer having conversations with people about it and Trying to convey where I'm coming from, rather than like if it's sort of like a passing comment from someone you're not going to see and you don't really agree with the comment, I don't. I just don't have the energy to like fight it. I'm just like I'll just let that one go. And I'll- yeah.
2: my housemate recently came out as non-binary to me, um, and they were like they saw somebody that um, they knew in school and they used the wrong pronouns for them, and they were like, how do you like get through that? How do you like do that? And I was like. Is it somebody that you care about or that you're gonna see again? No, forget about it. They're gonna forget about you as quickly as you forget about that interaction. It doesn't affect you, but if it's someone like a parent, a coworker, somebody that you care about, that's when you need to start making the battles. If it's somebody that you need to educate so your life is easier, that's when you need to start educating people. And if they don't wanna hear it, then you know that you it's your opportunity to cut them out. As much as you don't want to,
0: absolutely, yeah. No, you're totally right. That is exactly. That is a really good way to put it. And that becomes, I think, in in a lot of issues um, that they're passing nowadays. Um, I'm there to support. I'm there to speak up, and I'm also there to let other people speak up. Um, but yeah, there's some things that are day to day, and like you know, things that like comments or um, I'm not going to let that insignificant thing, you know, because that's how insignificant they are for me, ruin my day, ruin, you know, what I had planned. Um, I think there's ways to make bigger changes and grab that energy, or at least for me, as art, educating myself donations, being part of a bigger change. I think that is better than going find, you know, finding someone that I barely know and will ruin my day. Of course, don't take me wrong. It's a, there's a fine line of where to step up.
1: I think it's just so sad that so many things that are very normalized seem insignificant to us because, we're used to it but actually when you step back and like look at the bigger picture it's just all very fucked up <laughs> like even like misogyny the patriarchy blah, blah 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 blah. like it's just literally everywhere like oh i just even things like catcalling and like groping and the world, the way girls are treated and spoken to it just really angers me because i'm like how are we still fucking here after like hundreds of years of trying to learn and evolve and grow and yet there's so many little things but they're not little things they're just things that we're normalized to they're not actually little yeah
0: Yeah. it's basically society made us be normal with it and pass you know and go with it and i'm like how the internet has exploded in a really good way uh calling out so many celebrities calling out so many people and things that we think are normal and has been on for so many years. Um and that's why I think the like, internet is a really like even for to me, like things that I thought they were normal say like, wait a second, why am I accepting this? You know? And you don't even question it. You know, and then you question it, and you're like we silence ourselves.
1: So if we just wrap up uh, this interview with what you've got coming up next have you got anything planned for the future have you got any competitions coming up or ideas you're working on what does the future look like for you at the moment
0: well future well right now um art wise uh the near future is getting my iPad repaired of course yeah. um, honestly I'm really excited for art markets and this summer um I'm getting a chance uh fortunately nothing is settled on paper right um hopefully soon I will be able to sign my contract, to stay, uh, I'm just staying a year here in England and I'm really excited to get to know in person um, art markets, the art community, art galleries, art events. Um, that's what I'm most excited about and I want to dedicate to that. Get to know, I mean, hopefully I'll be moving close to Bristol, um, so get to know what's the art community in England.
1: We'll have to travel down and see you and do like a big meet up or go out, go to art galleries, do loads of cute artsy things, have loads of these really deep, dark, wonderful conversations.
0: Absolutely,
2: yeah. of our interview with Jackie is our prestigious Hall of Fame. We currently have two entries in the Hall of Fame. It's Imogen Heap and B Illustrates. So, Jackie. Who do you want to put in the Women's Workshop Hall of Fame?
0: Patty Smith. Patty Smith is forever going to be my idol. Um, it was one of the first books I ever bought um, from her was just kids. Um, again, I said that my art is basically nostalgia. And this woman with her writing and even her poems and music, is carries a sense of nostalgia and how she developed herself moving to new york and becoming this powerful icon punk icon that she is nowadays yeah
2: so cool i, I absolutely I...
1: adore her she's so she's such a just such a badass like i just adore her like i just want to want to be her she's iconic yeah no she she's is yes
2: certainly... she
0: yeah
2: she's certainly um one of those people that when when you hear her name you're like fuck yeah like, you have you have no choice but to just bask in her glory and
0: nowadays that she is such an amazing icon people say like she I feel like she knew exactly what she was doing back in the days um she used to say everything distracted me but mostly all myself and that is something that I carry on from that book um Everything is so distracting, and mostly myself. She is my idol.
2: You certainly have, like, both of you have a similar presence where you just just want to sit and listen to them talk.
1: (laughs) I feel flattered, thanks. (laughs) Do you think she's inspired your artwork in any way, or the themes within your artwork? How she wrote about her love story
0: it was beautifully portrayed like the way that she romanticized even grabbing a bus to go into new york and you know having all those memories for me that little touch for me is how i inspire and i see my paintings
2: yeah that's so incredible i i I just I want to listen to you talk every day. You should have your own podcast, Jackie. I'll send you
0: my phone number. Give me a call anytime.
1: <laughs> You're completely outshining us. Like no one's going to listen to this afterwards. They're going to be like, "Oh my god, where can I find her podcast?"
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's so lovely to listen to you talk. Like you have so many incredible ideas, and like, I just love your approach to life. Like it just it does make me feel internally calmer about everything. I try to.
0: You like that way. I Listen to me. I'm a very hyperactive person and I can be nuts. But I try to remind myself and slow myself down sometimes. I'd be like, wait a second, wait a second. Uh, Slow down a little bit.
2: I feel like you're the perfect middle ground between me and Ella. (laughs) I'm super organized and cold and like get everything done on this time. And Ella's just like...
1: I'm your your, your earth child. I'm your baby. We need you. Honestly, that's why like, uh, Amy and I started working together though, because I was doing it by myself to begin with. But I'm very disorganized. I'm a chaotic creative, like just very like lots of ideas but no logistics or planning. Just like, I want to do this, I want to do this. Oh my God, let's meet this person. Like, I do have yeah. like a very hyperactive mind. And I think Imi, I just needed her to ground. I came Emma in and crushed
2: your, crushed your dreams and introduced you to <laughs> spreadsheets.
1: And we need, we need people.
0: And it's awesome that you guys found that beautiful balance.
2: Any more artists that you'd like to mention that you really, really love the work of or have inspired part of your aesthetic at all?
0: Honestly, um, all the artists that I've got to know um, through your workshop, because before, you know, balancing that thing of, like, putting your art there um, and getting to know different artists, I got to know a lot of artists, um, thanks to you guys. Um, I really love Bite My Cheesecake. I really love um, um, Asia. Asia? Think Asia? Asia?
1: Piano Wiki on um, Instagram, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, Asha, so, sorry,
0: sorry Asha, if tapes, so uh,
1: my cheesecake is Abigail. Yeah.
0: Abigail, okay. Um, I've seen all these different artists, uh, this girl that does pots, sorry I'm really bad with names but I can describe them. Um, the poster art they're making, um, also the photographer that was also on the Zoe. network. Oh, Zoe. Um, there's also a really good friend of mine. Her name is Gabriela. She is an amazing photographer. Um, we actually became friends, uh, mostly because of her photography. We became friends in Boston. Uh, She's a photographer for music shows and somebody that I admire deeply. Um, she just follows uh, her small artists around the world um, for their shows and capture these beautiful moments. <sighs>
1: Um, so I think we should move on to our big question of the evening or the big topic that you've chosen to discuss. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the topic you've chosen and why, and just a little bit about it?
0: Yeah. Um, so I give it a lot of thought and then I waited to maybe think of something else, but this is what I thought the first time. It was uh, the starving artist. Um, what do we have to be starving artists or... Do you have to even starve? Or how should you market your art uh, to leave? Do we have to be bohemians, Um, right? Um, I think it was like an interesting concept because a lot of people think that, you know, being an artist, you will starve. Or to be a true artist, um, you will be poor, right? But I don't think so. I don't think we have to starve to be an artist. I can maybe price my piece of art for two thousand dollars if i wanted to but it is really hard um, doing that like for me and i think for a lot of artists like sometimes you don't even want to put a price on it it's your creation is your is your your baby and sometimes we do we put our art so cheap because it's it's really not about the money we're like it's not about the money it's not about the money oh my money is fucking important unfortunately our supplies we have to eat we have to pay rent but sometimes it's so hard to put ourselves that value mm. right we're like we don't want to be like super extra and like you know oh, I'm like pretentious
2: i love the fact you've brought this up because this is an argument i have with one of my friends all the time about the musical rent and about mm. how every single one of the people in every single character in the musical rent is the most insufferable people because they're so pretentious and like oh i have to be a true artist i have to i have to be starving i have to be struggling because art is struggle and i am poetic but no art is art is what's inside you and art is like how you make your create how you express your creativity your social stature has nothing to do with your art you can bring it into your artwork but at the end of the day your social stature and like what happens in your personal life can be completely different to your art as well as interconnected.
0: Absolutely. I that's something that is a stigma that a lot of people because they think about um, the era of Dalí and Pablo Picasso, Hemingway, uh, that they were these struggling artists, some of them alcoholics, you know, some of them depressed and that you have to struggle financially, emotionally to be a successful artist and no people have this stigma that you basically have to starve yourself to be this to be remembered or to be this legend and no art should not be a struggle and not necessarily have a struggle there's beautiful art that comes out of depression there's beautiful art that also comes through happiness at least for my parents when i tell them that i want it this was back in the days nowadays my mom is my biggest fan her I think her most worry was the struggle. She thought I was going to struggle. Again, nowadays, I don't fully live out of being an artist. And I do not mind having a side job working as something completely different if I have time to paint.
1: I think the concept's been romanticized a lot like the idea of like the struggling artist and the idea of sort of having to suffer to be creative in a way but I think if you want to be an artist and that's your passion that's your dream and it's what you want to do you should be able to make a living from it you should be able to live because to be able like to be able to live you need money you need a certain amount of income and I think when you're putting so much time and energy and passion into something that you love money is almost a way of being valued for it and I think it's a way of being appreciated and recognized and all that time and energy that you've spent is being rewarded and I think it should be rewarded because if you think of any job like working in a bar working in an office whatever you are giving your time and your energy and your emotional energy your physical energy into doing something and that's why you get paid you get paid for that time and that energy and I think if you're pouring it into art it should be treated in the same way but I don't think it is currently as much as it should be yeah
0: absolutely yeah um I think we, we all have that moment of struggle of like, I mean, at least I did um, that we get cut up. Like when I was bartending back in the States and like, but there was a time to time that I stopped doing art because it was like, well, this is giving me so much money, but it's actually not rewarding to my soul. Seeing like one of the things that I mostly hate is when people question the pricing of my art um be maybe if it's too cheap people will think that it's garbage or people think that i'm being super extra because i'm charging it you know my the actual price it should it cost um and that is something that sometimes it's a little bit hard i have people be like hey can you give this a little bit cheaper um or sometimes um, you know you get those questions of like Well, my my art doesn't cost five pounds, you know? It's not something that you can buy at a dollar shop.
1: Yeah. And only you can value your work and put worth on your work because you're the only person who knows what has gone into that. Every single piece of art you create is completely different. Something different has gone into every piece. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: I feel like as well for some artists, if you work out the actual time that they spent on a piece, I'll use myself as an example. I've just released an EP. I probably spent a week on each song and it's five pounds. And so that's what, a pound a song. That's less than minimum wage for the amount of time I spent on it. So in a lot of cases, the people that are complaining are actually getting a sweet deal.
0: Yeah, absolutely, no, absolutely. Like if I compare um, at least my digital work and how like I'm putting on and the amount of hours that it took me to make and uh, yeah I'm selling for 10-15 pounds like again the, again that thing of like the starving artist like a part of me yes money is very valuable and yes I'll get the ten, those 10 visual 10 pounds right but yes money is rewarding but it's also rewarding to see the movement of like okay I got sold one we gotta make another one right it's all like that flow of constant making more and more and, more, and 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 more, creating and innovating. I think that is, uh, my biggest reward and not get me wrong. It, like again, that, like, and if you really want that piece, you will pay anything for it. But for me, sometimes I, I mean, I put it for 10, 15 pounds. Yeah. Maybe we'll have a revenue of five, two pounds. I don't know. But seeing that movement makes you create more it makes your portfolio bigger makes you be more experienced
2: and it makes right? you happier
0: and it makes you happier
2: yeah M- money is important but it's not the bottom line for artists the bottom line is the art
1: um i think just one more thing i was going to say about that is i think the way art is perceived in general and the way artists are perceived is not the same as how someone would perceive like a scientist or a mathematician or something that's a bit more traditional. Not that those things aren't important because they are, but I think if you tell someone like you studied art, like for example, every time I tell someone like I did an art degree and I got a first in my art degree, people are always a bit underwhelmed. People will be like, oh, what did you do? And oh, right, yeah, okay, you're an artist. I don't it's know, the, like that sort of,
2: that's not- It's the old like, joke of, um, you know what I say to aspiring actors? I'll have a grande latte, please. And it's so disrespectful it's funny but it is so disrespectful
1: i think it's just some kind of academia and intelligence is viewed in a very one-way sort of thinking you know it's like you're clever if you like science and maths and I don't know, you're really good at academically writing. But if you're a visual thinker, if you're a visual creator, it's not valued in the same way. I mean, they used to call art, they still do sometimes, like a soft subject as in it's like, it's easy. And it's like, oh my God, the struggles I have gone through with art in terms of like creating. And it takes so much energy to create something, to come up with a concept, to come up with an idea, to implement it. It doesn't go the way you you wanted it to go. You have to redo it
2: again then you have to write about it and pick apart your own work and after you've spent so long looking at something you can't find strength sometimes.
1: Yeah, exactly. We know our worth and I think it needs to be recognised more widely and the arts need to be supported and appreciated. Um, So on that note, um, I think that will go into our outro. Uh, so firstly, I just want to say thank you so much for like having this lovely conversation with us. I've just, I feel like I've learned so much from you and just, I just find you so interesting. And oh yeah, I, I cannot compliment you enough, but thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us.
0: Oh no, thank you. I am so happy. This is uh, this is really truly amazing what you guys are doing it's amazing this community that you guys started um and yeah i'm really blessed i'm really happy um to share a little bit of, about my life um
2: yeah. yeah genuinely i i said i've said it so many times but whenever you speak i'm just compelled to do nothing but listen to you the entire world <laughs> shuts down and it's just it's so you're so incredible Jackie.
0: oh thank you i mean you're really you, you guys are really beautiful Thank you for giving me a platform to
1: speak. Of course, you deserve a platform to speak. And speaking of, what platforms are you on and where can people find you to come and support you? Yeah, absolutely. So
0: I am Soy Mistake. That basically means I am a mistake. It's kind of like uh, a funny word thing. I am on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, I also have an Etsy shop on the same as S-O-Y Mistake. So yeah, hopefully I'll be launching my website, still debating if I should do that or not. Um, But yeah, that's where you can go and please follow me. I'll follow you back. Thanks.
1: Um, In terms of us, so uh, you can find us on Instagram uh, at thewomens__workshop and also on Twitter. Uh, What's our Twitter account?
2: Women's work underscore shop is our twitter you can obviously you'll listen to this podcast so you found it somewhere but we have the podcast uploaded to both spotify and youtube and google pods is coming soon
1: and Emmy, do you want to promote you pe- where yeah. people can find you
2: <laughs> sure yeah you can find me at imi midi on like all the social medias apart from facebook because no one uses facebook, facebook. <laughs> yeah so without anything else We will see you next week with Bipolar Abdul. Thank you for listening. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.